I'm Tom Pavin with TP Farms in Waller, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas Agricultural and Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Great to be back with you for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Hey, you know the drill. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, corn planting here in Texas is actually ahead of schedule. You may not expect that with the dry conditions we've had, but the weekly crop progress report that came out this week shows that we're ahead of the five-year average pace. We'll check in with one Rio Grande Valley farmer to see how his newly planted corn is looking coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. This season's results will be disappointing thanks to our drought, but the Texas High Plains is a national leader in wheat production and wheat breeding research. I'm James Hunt, and we'll check in with one of our top local scientists on Texas Ag Today. There are a multitude of factors that continue to impact the supply chain in Texas agriculture. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have those details in my story on Texas Ag Today. It truly is amazing what a difference a rain can make after an extended dry period. This is Dr. Shane McLellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas corn farmers making quick work of planting the 2022 corn crop. The latest crop progress report released this week shows 63% of the corn crop now in the ground. That's ahead of the average pace of 58%. Sam Sparks grows corn in the Rio Grande Valley near Mercedes. He says he's very happy with his early stand. The corn's off to a great start. It looks really pretty. Um, we have had some 100-degree days here in the last uh, week or so that, you know, kind of stressed the plant a little bit. But, um, you know, the, the weather's just been erratic. We've gone from 100-degree to 80-degree and 77, 75-degree nights to 40-degree nights. So um, hopefully the corn will hold on and we'll catch a rain here soon. Cotton planting is right on schedule here in Texas with 12% of the cotton crop now in the ground. Sparks says most of the cotton in the valley looks good, but the wind has been an issue. The cotton looks good in most areas. Uh, there's some spots that got blown out from the heavy winds. A few spots you'll see some erratic stands, but that's mainly because of the cold nights we had during planting season. But overall, the, the cotton crop's off to a good start in the valley. Texas sorghum planting a bit behind the average pace. 48% of the sorghum now planted. That's behind the 54% average. 
Artificial intelligence is making Texas farmers more sustainable. John Deere unveiled its new sea and spray technology recently, which uses cameras and artificial intelligence to recognize weeds and spot spray them with a boom sprayer. You bet, Carrie. So we've got 36 cameras across our 120-foot boom, constantly scanning about 2,100 square feet at all times. There's cameras that are the eyes of the system. Then we've also got computer processors attached to the boom that are the brains. So as the cameras are scanning uh, around to differentiate between crop and weed, um, the processors are the ones that are identifying where the weed is and then sending a signal to the nozzle where the weed is to only turn on that nozzle to spray that weed. That's Franklin Pites. He's the tactical marketing manager for John Deere Sprayers. He says it only takes 0.2 seconds for the cameras to recognize a weed and tell the nozzle to spray it. And he says this technology has been in the testing phase right here in Texas for over a year. So we've been actually, yeah, down here more than a year uh, in different parts of South Texas, working with the King Ranch especially, um, having phenomenal performance. So that is giving our customers the confidence that this technology works, and they're excited to put it into work on their operation. The new sea and spray technology will be available for Texas farmers to order starting this fall. Wheat research on the Texas High Plains is paying off for local farmers. James Hunt reports from the Panhandle. A recent USDA survey shows the Texas A&M AgriLife wheat breeding program continues to produce the most commonly planted varieties in Texas. For Jackie Rudd, the project leader for the AgriLife wheat breeding program in our area, it's good to see AgriLife's work earn so much acceptance with farmers. You want to know that what you do has an impact. And when you're driving around the state and you're looking and be able to kind of recognize particular varieties, it just feels a little worthwhile. I wouldn't call it, uh, I feel good about it as much as, you know, that it's I'm doing something good. But, you know, that's not the reason is to, for me to feel good. But the reason is for producers to increase their profitability because of their variety choices. In our next report, Dr. Rudd will share thoughts on what's ahead in wheat breeding. But one thing new for the program, AgriLife has been chosen to lead the creation of a new national endeavor that involves analyzing data from research drones being flown by 19 universities. It's just a collaboration among different breeding programs and what they learn and what we learn, and you put it all together, it's just so much more information. And while collecting data on things like yields and disease resistance from across the country does help serve the development of new varieties, including those for use in the Texas High Plains, there's another aspect Dr. Rudd is enthusiastic about, student training. We're going to have new scientists coming out of this that are going to know more than old guys like me, I guess. (laughs) It's just fun to work with new scientists, not just the training, just the interaction. You know, I think I learned more from the students than they learned from me. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Supply chain issues are affecting all of Texas agriculture. Tom Nicoletti talks with a Baylor University professor about exactly what type of effects they're having. My guest today from Baylor University School of Business in Waco is Dr. Pedro Reyes, Associate Professor of Operations and Supply Chain Management. He has joined us before on this program. And Dr. Reyes, let's talk about what you have researched and uh, know about the supply chain issues as they pertain to agricultural operations and farms and ranches, agribusiness here in Texas. Do the same thing, capacity shortages, 
at the food processors, manufacturers, and then, of course, the rising cost of transportation in that sector. And they're even shorthanded in terms of drivers. So that's having a big impact on on prices. I've said going back to when the crisis first began with the COVID-19 a couple of years ago, and the grocery supply chain in the United States is still the best uh, supply chain in, in the world. We still have a very bountiful supply chain. The thing is, the system is it's, it's getting stressed big time. It's not so much that the farmers can't produce product or the ranchers can't handle the livestock. It's what happens after it leaves there. The capacity shortage, factories were shut down and they had to get restarted. It's still being impacted today. With the rising fuel prices, I guess people really don't think how much that impacts the farming industry. We use a lot of uh, fuel on the farm and, and on the ranch and it keeps going up. And you got other rising costs of inputs, chemicals, fertilizers, things that are used to grow the crops. And there's some shortages right now with even getting components for the machines that are being used. So much technology is being used now on farm and the equipment. It's not like you can just go get a part at the store. Sometimes these shortages are because of a computer chip. Those are some of the major points that's impacting the farming industry here in Texas. That is Dr. Pedro Reyes at Baylor University in Waco. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Recent rains have been very beneficial for Central Texas agriculture. Dr. Shane McClellan has an update from Waco. Much of the Central Texas area did receive rainfall this past week. Amounts varied from a half an inch to an inch and a half. These rainfall amounts were enough to quickly clean up our pastures. Cool and warm season forages are both growing right now. In our pastures that have had some rest, there is available grazing. Now, those pastures that are grazed constantly are green, but they do not offer much grazing as the regrowth is extremely minimal. I have noticed that livestock are out in the pastures are hustling for something green and not crowding around a hay bale right now. I dug down into a seed profile that was, it was dry planted in our grain sorghum and, and corn plots. I found seed that was at a moist seed bed to a depth of about four and a half inches. Below that, band of moisture was gone. The soil was very dry with little deep soil moisture. We may have had enough moisture to germinate seed and get a stand, but we really need another rain, a slow soaking rain to help those crops grow and do well. Uh, the winds that are currently blowing are sure pulling a lot of moisture out of our soil at, a, at an alarming rate. Wheat looks very good that is in locations that caught some of those scattered rain showers, but we have some fields that have a lot of dead tillers and they're showing symptoms of cold and drought stress. These damaged fields are slowly rebounding, but they're also showing signs of maturing really early. We do have some concern in our, in our area with a recent increase in Hessian fly population. It's a tough thing to identify this year as we've got reduced tillering and stunning in wheat fields that could be from cold weather, could be from drought, or it could be from Hessian fly damage. The most reliable way to identify Hessian fly infestations in a seedling plant it involves digging that plant up out of the soil and carefully pulling apart those tillers, looking for that white larva or brown pupa that attaches to the base of the tillers and the crown. In our area right now, you can find the hessian fly. The pupa will be at the base of the tillers uh, in the crown or near the, no the nodes. This is Dr. Shane McClellan from Waco with Texas Ag Today. A highly contagious bird disease has been found in Texas, and officials say it likely came from a wild bird. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
And if you're around performance horses, you may have heard of fused hock joints. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you're around performance horses, you've probably heard of fused hock joints. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd says it's a common problem. One of the most common problems in performance horses is arthritis in the lower hock joints. The hock is the same joint in horses as the ankle in people. Although, due to the difference in walking on four legs versus two legs, the horse's hock is about two feet off the ground. Dr. Chris White indicates in the horse publication that the horse's hock is actually a combination of four joints, with the bottom two joints being the most common joints to be affected by arthritis. The horse has so-called high-motion and low-motion joints. High-motion joints are the stifle, knee, fetlock, and upper hock joint. Low-motion joints are the lower hock joints. And these do not have a large range of motion. When you hear someone say they had their horse's hock injected, the two lower hock joints are likely the ones they are talking about. Injecting these joints with anti-inflammatory medication can help reduce pain. But after a period of years, the arthritis becomes so severe because the cartilage is degraded that the injections are no longer helpful. At this time, the best option is to fuse the joints. Normally, fusing a joint would not be a good idea, but since these are low-motion joints, it does not affect the horse's performance. And after the joints are fused, they are basically pain-free. It takes a period of time for joints to fuse on their own, so most horses receive steroid injections to control the pain until fusion occurs. However, alcohol can be injected into the joints to speed up joint fusion, or fusion can be accomplished surgically, which is the quickest method, but also the most expensive, requiring anesthesia, and likely a cast for several weeks. However, once the hock joints are fused, the horse is mostly pain-free and can still perform at a high level. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A highly contagious bird disease has been found here in Texas, and Jessica Domel tells us it probably came from a wild bird. Earlier this month, state officials confirmed a case of highly pathogenic avian influenza, or HPAI, in a flock of commercial pheasants in Erath County in North Texas. The disease is highly contagious and often leads to the deaths of chickens that are infected with the virus. State animal health officials say the virus in Erath County likely came from a wild bird. The lineage of this HPAI virus is that of Eurasia. So this Eurasia lineage has been reported in the North American flyways of migratory birds and has shown up now that the birds are moving around. So do we think that this came to Texas via a migrating bird? 
We do. We do. We've been watching the migration and reports of flu in migratory birds and had learned of this about a half year ago that this Eurasia strain was beginning to circulate here in North America. That was Dr. Angela Lackey, Assistant Executive Director of the Texas Animal Health Commission. Chickens, turkeys, and pheasants are susceptible to the disease, but they aren't the only ones. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service says migratory waterfowl are a natural reservoir for avian influenza. APHIS reports avian influenza is endemic in some wild birds, like wild ducks, swans, geese, shorebirds, and gulls. Some raptor species, like hawks, falcons, eagles, and owls, appear to be highly vulnerable to HPAI. Upland game birds are also susceptible. We will have more on the impact that HPAI could potentially have on wild birds in Texas on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We have a holiday-shortened trading week this week because of the Good Friday holiday. So how did things wrap up for the week on Thursday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Wildfires swept across central and west Texas in March, burning over 86,000 acres. Fires devoured pasture land and farmland, as well as livestock, homes, barns, and equipment. The Texas Farm Bureau West Texas Wildfire Relief Fund is ready to help. Farmers and ranchers with unreimbursed agricultural losses are encouraged to apply for assistance. Monetary contributions to the fund are also being accepted. Go to TexasFarmBureau.org to learn more. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. After trending higher for much of the week, we saw the cattle complex start to trend lower in many contracts. April live cattle up a nickel to 140.67. June live cattle down 45 cents to 136.52. April feeder cattle down 35 cents to 158.20. May feeder cattle down 17 cents to 161.77. Boxed beef was mixed Thursday. Choice down 59 cents to 271.77. Select up 42 cents to 259.79. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Auctioneer Troy's selling cattle for me today, and they sold them at Nixon on Monday. Gary Butler, how did that last sale before the Easter holiday turn out? Uh, Larry, we wind up with 973 head, 119 cows, and 24 bulls. Uh, market, I would call it steady, Larry. Two and three weight steers, $1.52 to $2. The heifers, $1.21 to $1.68. Three and four weight steers. $1.42 to $2. Heifers, $1.32 to $1.65. Four and five weight steers, $1.44 to $1.86. Heifers, $1.33 to $1.64. Five and six weight steers, $1.42 to $1.85. Heifers, 
a dollar twenty-seven to two two thirty-eight, and that was a tiger striped heifer, keeping heifer. Six and seven weight steers, dollar thirty-nine to dollar seventy-five heifers, a dollar twenty-two to a dollar forty-eight. Seven eight weight steers and bull yearlings, a dollar twenty to a dollar fifty-two, and the heifers were a dollar four to a dollar forty-four. Uh, slaughter cows got ninety-one for the best slaughter cows. Slaughter bulls eighty to a dollar eight. Stocker cows didn't have many of those. Uh, 600,000. Uh, and we had one pair bring 17, Larry. And we will not have a sale this Monday? We will not have a sale Easter Monday. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you when the holiday's over with. You can get us here at the sale barn, 830-582-1561 or 62. Catch me on my mobile, 830-857-4330, Larry. We appreciate it, Gary. And neighbor, remember, some of the auctions are closed for Easter, but that won't get in the way of walking the pens here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network or me, Larry Marble. I'm your host. i see you Monday through Friday. Good day. April lean hogs down two cents to ninety nine eighty seven. May lean hogs up a dollar twenty two to one twelve seventy five. We saw block cheese rise four and a quarter cents Thursday to two twenty three. Barrel cheese was up six cents to two forty four. That helped move class three milk higher. April class three milk up twelve cents to twenty four thirty four. May class three milk up 24 cents to 25.41 a hundredweight. After seeing triple digit gains all week, we saw some losses and lesser gains on Thursday in the cotton markets. May cotton down 79 points to 141.98. October cotton up one point to 128.19. December cotton up 30 points to 122.48. That could be due to an announcement from India that it would allow cotton imports duty-free through the end of September. May corn was up six and three quarters Thursday to seven ninety and a quarter. July corn up five and three quarters to seven eighty-three and three quarters. September corn up one and three quarters to seven forty-eight and three quarters. May hard red wheat down twenty to eleven fifty-four even. July hard red wheat down twenty and three quarters to eleven fifty-seven and a quarter. May natural gas up twenty-nine cents to seven twenty-nine. June natural gas up thirty. Two cents to seven forty-one. Crude oil traded higher Thursday on news from the European Union that it might phase in a ban of Russian oil imports. May crude oil up two dollars and thirty-eight cents to one hundred six sixty-three. June crude oil up two dollars and twenty-nine cents to one hundred six oh eight. The Dow down 14 points Thursday to 34,550. The S&P 500 down 38 to 4,407. And the Nasdaq down 247 points to 13,395. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us for our next episode for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel. I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.